Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. We're super excited about today's show because our scientific expert is a kid. She's 11 years old, and we're going to talk to her about her very unusual science project. It's not a project you'll see at most school science fairs. We'll find out what she did and why it's important right after this. We've had lots of kids on our show, but we've never had a kid as the main science expert before. It's about time. I know. Sarah Galvani Townsend is in many ways just a regular kid who happens to love science. But one of her interests really stands out. Personally, I don't know anybody whose hobby is studying rabies. Maybe that could count as my hobby. Wait, her hobby is studying rabies? Like the disease that makes animals foam at the mouth and try to bite you? Yes, that's that's the one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds pretty cool to me. How did she get into it? Well, it all started because Sarah spends a lot of time hanging out at her mom's office after school. I'll bet most kids who have moms who have offices do that a lot. Definitely. One day, Sarah's mom got an email at work from the editor of something called Science Journal for Kids. And she asked my mom to translate a paper she had written on rabies. Sarah's mom is a scientist at Yale University. She works on how to keep big groups of people healthy, and rabies is one of the main diseases that she studies. Oh, I see the connection now. So the editor of a kid's science journal wanted to translate this scientific paper, like, from Chinese? <laughs> no. Translated from something only scientists can understand to something that kids can understand. So that gave Sarah's mom an idea, and here's how she put it to Sarah. I think you should do this translation because you're a kid, so you know kid language. Kid language is totally my favorite language. I speak kid, like, most of the time. Kid language is pretty easy to learn. It's like the first thing you learn when you're growing up. <laughs> I think I learned it when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not always easy for scientists to remember. Even though they were kids themselves at one point, they've learned to use a lot of complicated terms that require a high level of very specific knowledge in order to understand it. Sarah is probably the youngest fluent speaker of this language because her mom had already put her to work in the office. And I was already interested in dogs and science. That was a, um, an opportunity that really intrigued me. I'm pretty intrigued right now, too. Like, I'm wondering why do all the work of translating scientific papers for kids? Can't we just read articles about what they say? Isn't that journalist jobs? Are you looking at me right now? Maybe. <laughs> Well, a scientific paper is like the primary source of science. It's the scientific equivalent of reading a letter written by a historical figure instead of a biography about that person. Dearest Martha, last night I crossed the Delaware River on an old boat. This is a symbol that will endure for our nation. <laughs> Washington didn't really write that, but you get the idea. The paper gets you closer to the actual doing of the science. And all papers are written in a very particular way. Well, first of all, there's like the introduction, the abstract, which is basically like a summary. The conclusion, which wraps everything up. Um, results, which are like 
the results. Um, methods, which is how everything was done. So it's not like reading an article in a newspaper at all. No, but if you know how to read it, every single paper tells a story of science discovery. Uh, I think I know some other people who do that. <laughs> in a science article, all these different parts, they'll tell the whole story, but from a different, like, point. In other words, the authors of the paper, the scientists who worked on it, explain in many different ways what they were trying to do, how they did it, and what they found out. Then, other scientists can read it, make sure it's correct, and learn from it. They can use your work in their work and build upon it, or just use some of the data. So writing scientific papers is like a huge important part of the scientific process. Exactly. But not many people outside of science read them. So this editor who emailed Sarah's mom wants to change that by putting papers in, as Sarah said, kid language and making them free to everyone. So Sarah signed up to be the science translator. So what happened next? Uh, well, I read through it a lot of times and I tried to get the general idea. Then I, like, I talked about it with the other authors. Sarah's mom's paper was about trying to prevent as many people as possible from getting infected with rabies in a part of India called Tamil Nadu. Because if dogs were vaccinated, they wouldn't have rabies, so they wouldn't be able to pass on any rabies to humans because they wouldn't be sick in the first place. So the more dogs you vaccinate, the fewer people who get rabies seems like a simple equation. But there's a twist in this paper. It looked at vaccinating stray dogs. No. It was a study on whether that was cost-effective, and cost-effectiveness is whether something is worth the money that's spent on it. Sarah's mom wanted to figure out the number of stray dogs that the government could afford to go out and vaccinate. Because stray dogs have no owners, so the government would have to do it. Exactly. So she was trying to come up with a recommendation to the government to say, look, here's how you could solve this rabies problem. They used a special tool to do this. We used a, a model, and a computer model is where you use programming. Using it, you can like basically predict the future. Sarah's mom built the model and put in all the data, or the facts, that she had to work with, including the budget. Instead of saying, um, oh, we're just going to vaccinate 400,000 dogs, you have to be under the budget. It's always important to keep a budget. The budget was $100,000 per life saved. And with the computer model, Sarah's mom and her colleagues discovered that the government could afford to vaccinate 200,000 dogs. Is that all the dogs? No, it's not. But it's enough to make a big difference. They found it would save 664 lives over the course of 10 years. It's so cool how this paper could literally save lives. I know. So once Sarah understood this study, how did she translate it? Well, basically, I just took, I just read through it, like, sentence by sentence or, or paragraph by paragraph. She'd get the main idea of each section, and then she had to break down all those complicated science terms, or as I like to call them, jargon. I would think about, like, 
Do I completely understand that word? If the answer was no, I only understand it like halfway, then I would definitely change it. Even if I was like, and I don't, I understand it, but I don't know if other people might, then I'd still change it. So it sounds like hard work. How did it come out? So we're going to have a bit of fun with this. Oh, nice. <laughs> I'm going to read the two versions of the paper, and you're going to guess which one is the original and which one is Sarah's. Okay, I think I can do that. All right, here's version one. We created a computer model which showed that by vaccinating dogs against rabies, we can control the disease in both dogs and humans. All right, that makes pretty clear sense. Version two, through integration over parameter uncertainty, we find that for a cost-effectiveness threshold above $1,400 per daily, that stands for Disability Adjusted Life Years, canine interventions are at least 95% likely to be optimal. I think the answer is pretty clear. All right, tell me. Um, the second one is obviously in kid language, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's how kids talk. Yes, it's yes. true. There's not a single moment <laughs> where I'm on the playground and I don't hear a child saying, through integration over parameter uncertainty, we find that for a cost-effectiveness threshold above $1,400. <laughs> That's like one of that phrase is sweeping the nation. <laughs> you totally got that right. No, the first one is Sarah's and the second one is the scientist. <laughs> Fair. It, I think it is really impressive that Sarah was able to boil all that down so simply. You've got to admit that translating a scientific paper into kid language is pretty unusual weekend activity for an 11-year-old. For some kids, it might be interesting. <laughs> but for other kids, they might be like, I'd rather go play baseball or whatever their hobby is. So is Sarah going to be a scientist when she grows up? Probably... Like maybe, um, maybe six, like 60, 70%, like 70% chance I'll be a scientist. I like how she phrases it as a percentage. That's, that's very scientific of her. I think that actually increases the odds. Yeah, and if I were to build a predictive model around this scenario, I think it would point to Sarah becoming a scientist. At a 60, per, 60 to 70% confidence rate. <laughs> There is a minimum threshold of... <laughs> you can read Sarah's paper, which is called How to Prevent Rabies in India, along with her mom's original paper at sciencejournalforkids.org. Sarah's also written one about HIV, and there's tons of other interesting articles about things like cow burps and whether humans or elephants are knocking down more trees in South Africa. It's interesting that that's even a question. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you want to read it? <laughs> Thanks to Sarah Galvani Townsend and Dr. Abhishek Pandey at the Yale School of Public Health. Thanks as well to Sarah's mom, Alison Galvani, and Tanya Dimitriova, founder and editor of Science Journal for Kids. Find out more on our website, sciencepodcastforkids.com slash blog. If you love Tumble, consider supporting us on our Patreon crowdfunding campaign. We have great rewards like an ad-free feed and educational materials. And we often send out special opportunities for listeners to submit audio to our show. So pledge today at patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. 
Sarah Lentz is our editor. I'm Lindsay Patterson, and I wrote and produced this show. And I'm Marshall Escamilla, and I wrote all of the music. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery. Thank you.